And if you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians 2. We're going to look again at Philippians 2, 1 to 11, and it's printed in your order of worship if you don't have a Bible. Um, if you don't own a Bible and you'd like one, there are Bibles on the, in the foyer on the shelf above the coats, and you're welcome to take those. Those are for anybody who wants one. But uh, we're going to continue looking at Philippians 2 as we move through the, uh, the season of Advent. We're in the third week here, and we're going to focus primarily on verses 9 through 11. But remember that the verses that uh, they're talking about Christ in verses 6 through 11, when Paul's talking about Christ, he's using this hymn to Christ. Um, he's, he's really urging us to do what he says to do in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, va- or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is why Paul is talking about who Christ is and what he has done. He's trying to motivate us and help us to see what it means to live like Jesus did. So, listen to God's word as I read Philippians 2, 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak right now through your word. We pray that you would help us to listen right now what you want to say to us. We pray that, uh, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts to open them up and even to change them. Father, we pray that after, after looking at this passage, after looking at these verses, that not a single person in here will walk out the same as we were when we walked in. Father, we pray that you would use this time for your glory, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Kim, Kim and I went to Sedona last August when we dropped Silas off at, at college in Arizona. I don't know how many of you guys have been to Sedona, but it is absolutely beautiful and majestic and incredible. You can put that first picture up there, Milo. Here's a picture of Sedona. I don't know if it, it's these red rock formations, and it's just, it's just amazing. It's so incredibly beautiful. And as we often do when we go visit beautiful places, you know, we will often want to take pictures of ourselves at the place, right? When, when you go to somewhere amazing and beautiful, you want to take a picture of yourself. We used to have to, before the age of cell phones, you used to have to like, get, up, get up the courage to ask somebody to be like, can you take a picture of us? But now that we have cell phones, we can just take selfies, right? And so here's the selfie that uh, Kim and I took at Sedona, <laughs> right? Now, if you, if, if you, you notice, there's, there's a difference between the first picture and the second picture. 
right? Um, the first picture is this, I mean, there's this amazing, beautiful, incredible, glorious landscape, right? Here, I mean, we probably could have taken this picture anywhere. It's just kind of like our big heads in the picture and a little bit of rock in the back, right? So much gets cropped out of the picture when we're like trying to just take the picture with us in it, when we're trying to take a selfie. All right, you can take that down, Milo. <laughs> but uh, I think as, as we live our lives, um, and I'm sorry about my voice, hopefully it's going to you know, last for the whole sermon here, but uh, you might get off early, we'll see. Um, <laughs> as we live our lives, if, um, if we were to take a picture of us at any moment of us living our lives, um, as we interact with the people around us, it probably looks more similar to the selfie that we took in Sedona rather than the, this glorious landscape. All, all, we, we, we tend to be focused primarily on ourselves. You know, like a, as you look at a picture of any moment in our lives, it's mainly my big head. It's what I want. It's what I'm thinking about. It's what I'm worried about. It's what I'm concerned about. It's, it's what I think I need to do next. You know, the, at any moment in my life, the, the, the picture is most likely, it looks a lot more like that selfie where it's just mostly my big head and there's not much else. And I think um, in my relationships with the people God has placed in my life, it's hard for me to consider others as more significant than me because I'm so consumed with myself. So um, it's challenging to consider others' interests as much as I consider my own. And I think at the end of this passage, as we look at verses 9 to 11, I think what Paul is trying to get us to do is to expand the edges of the picture of my life. To expand it, to include some glorious things about who God is, some, some rea- glorious things about what, what the, the reality of life is. And, and if I could just expand my vision of what everything is, is about, then it will help me to, to, to not think so much of myself. It will help me to think more of others and, and to be less conceited, as he says, you know, do nothing else of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so, as I look at this, these verses, I, I think about verses 9 and 11, I, I think he wants us to include several things, as I said, about God and about reality in the picture of our life, okay? So the first thing that he wants us to include is the Trinity. He wants us to include the Trinity in the picture, okay? If you're uncertain when I talk about the Trinity, if you, if you haven't heard that word before, I mean, that's not a word that you find in the Bible, but it's a, it's a reality that you find in the Bible that the church used the word Trinity to describe. Basically, the word Trinity talks about how we worship a God who is one. There is one true God. One God. But this one God exists in three persons. So there's the God the Father, God the Son, it's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? So God is not God unless... All three of these persons are, are present, okay? And, uh, and in every single one of these persons, each and every one of these persons is also fully God. It's, it's impossible for us to comprehend and understand. But one interesting thing as you look at the Bible is you, is you see these, these members of the Trinity interacting with each other, okay? Throughout the Bible, you know, you look at the Gospels and you see Jesus the Son praying to his Father, thinking about what his Father wants. Um, you, you see all sorts of ways that, that the Trinity interacts. And here we see the Trinity interacting in verse 9. Um, after it talks about how Jesus has humbled himself to the point of death in verse 8, in verse 9 it says, Therefore God, God the Father, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. 
And this is what I want you guys to notice, is, is that the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, has been interacting with one another, okay? Not just here, but, but throughout all of history, even before anything was created. God was. He existed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they were interacting with one another. And what we see here is an example of the way that they interact. Um, I didn't really notice this when I first kind of read through this the first few times, but, but um, a, a commentary by a guy, a guy named Dennis Johnson, who's a professor and, a, and, a, and an author, he points out the fact that, again, Paul is writing this to encourage people to be considering others' interests as much as their own, to be exalting other people above themselves. And here we have an example of God the Father, even though he's, he's equal with God the Son, he highly exalts the Son, Right? God the Father looks not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of the Son. He, he exalts the Son to the highest place possible. The highest place possible. And then what does all this do in the end? What is, what is Jesus is exalting and all the people worshiping Jesus? And in verse 11 it says, it's all to the glory of God the Father. So all that Jesus is experiencing and doing, it glorifies the Father. There's kind of a mutual admiration society here. The Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, exalting one another, glorifying one another. And again, you see this throughout the rest of the Bible. You see this in the Gospels. You see this as Jesus lives his life. He's constantly living his life to glorify his Father. Even though it talks about here in verse verse 6 how Jesus was equal with God the Father, right? And yet Jesus was constantly trying to glorify God. His Father. They're constantly trying to hold one another up. You look at the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit's role? He's, he's constantly pointing to Jesus and saying, look at him. Look at him. Look how amazing he is. Look how glorious he is. And this is, this is what I think one of the things Paul wants us to see here. We, we were made, in, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1, it talks about how we were made to reflect who God is. We were made in God's image. And so we will only be living life to the fullest. We will only be living life the way we were meant to live it when we are reflecting the way that God interacts with himself, how how the, the members of the Trinity are exalting one another. We will only be fulfilled when we are exalting one another. When we are kind of living in a, a mutual admiration society. When we are we are holding one another up, holding one another's good up, even above our own. Does that make sense? That, that's the only that, that is what we were made for. We were not made to live for ourselves, to be thinking primarily of my own wants and desires and needs. We were made to be thinking of the people around us and exalting them, to be thinking of their interests. And we will only be really truly living when we're, when we're living that way, when we're living for others, when we're living radically other-centered lives. I think I shared this, this uh, illustration a long time ago. I don't know how many, how many of you guys have heard it. Have you guys heard of the illustration about the the eagle that the, there, there was an eagle's egg that a farmer found, and he brought it home and he uh, put it with his chickens, and the eagle hatched. And then, as the eagle grew up, he just grew up amongst the other chickens. And so the eagle just believed that he was a chicken. You know, he believed that he just he was just made to eat chicken food. He, was, he believed that he was made to like primarily stay on the ground all the time and only fly very very short distances. But it wasn't until like as he grew up. Um, the, uh, another eagle was flying way overhead against the sky, against the sun, and cried out with his arms, you know, fully outstretched, with the wings fully outstretched. And the eagle looked up and he's like, I, wait a second, I'm made for something more. I'm, made, I, I'm, I'm not a chicken. And he stretched out his wings and he, and, he, and he lifts off the ground and he starts flying, you know, soaring in the sky. 
In the same way, I think all of us, as we've grown up, as we've lived our lives, we, are li- we live our lives um, constantly um, being encouraged to think that life is about me. Life is about me. That, that you know, the, the snapshots of my life should include a picture of my big head in the middle and very little else. It's about what I want. It's about what I need. It's about what I love and what I care about. And I think in a little way, in, in verse 9, we have, we have uh, the Trinity crying out to us, saying, you were made for so much more than just living for yourself. You were made to live for others, to exalt them, to lift them up, to live for their good, not primarily your own, to sacrifice yourself for them, to honor them. And so we need to, as we live our lives, we need to constantly remember that the, the Trinity, that, that we were made to, to reflect God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the way that they love one another and exalt one another. Okay? Um, we also need to include the Lord in the picture. In verse 9, it says that God gave Jesus the name above every name and that all will one day proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Down in verse 11, right? Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think that it's possible that the name, uh, we're, we're not, I don't think anybody's really sure what this name is that, that uh, Paul is talking about, what the name that God gives his son. Um, but I think there's, there's good reason to believe that maybe he's talking about the, the name Yahweh, the Lord, the name that is used in the Old Testament, that God, that God reveals to Moses and to the Israelites. Say, I am the Lord, there is no other. I am the only true living God. I think at, at the very least we have a, a very... Um, uh, a blatant uh, a claim by Paul that Jesus is Lord, that there, he is God, that there is no other besides him in these words here. Um, you see, Paul uses, when he, when he talks about Jesus Christ being Lord, the word for Lord that Paul uses is kyrios. It's the Greek word that he uses. Okay? And at the time, uh, just a few hundred years before Jesus was born, uh, there was a translation of the Old Testament. The, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and then there was a translation of the Old Testament into Greek for a lot of the, the Hebrew people that lived in other places that didn't speak Hebrew, they spoke Greek. And so they, they translated the Old Testament into Greek, and that's called the Septuagint. And in the Old Testament, every place where it talked about Yahweh, where it used the word Yahweh, they substituted the word Kyrios the Greek word kyrios. And I think Paul knows this as he writes, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's saying that, that Jesus Christ is the same Lord that you see throughout the whole Old Testament, the, the, the living God, the Lord, the one who is, has, has reigns over all things and has committed himself to the Hebrew people. And I think another, another thing that points to that fact is, you guys recognize where it, where it said... Uh, Every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Does that sound familiar to you? Were you guys paying attention earlier in the service? We read Isaiah 45. That's basically right from Isaiah 45. Paul is referencing Isaiah 45 here. And if you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 45, I encourage you guys to read Isaiah 45 today. Over and over again, God is saying, I am the Lord and there is no other. I am the Lord and there is no other. I am the Lord and there is no other. And then at the end of Isaiah 45, he says, every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. I think that's what Paul is saying. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord. He reigns over all things. 
everything is subject to him, accountable to him. We all, when, when we come before Jesus, all we can do is surrender to him. He has a right to rule over every little detail of our lives. And so in our relationships, if, if we are including the Lord in the picture, we understand that everything we say to another person, every action we take is an opportunity to declare that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus rules over my life, that Jesus is God and there is no other. Every time I let go of my selfish desire for more comfort or for more recognition in order to honor another and help them, I'm declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. He rules over my life and my heart. Every time that I, I, I resist you know, holding on to my agenda, my schedule to stop and, and listen to another person or be with another person to hold them up for their good, I'm declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. I need to include Jesus as Lord in, in every picture, every moment of my life. Think about it. I have, I, I'm constantly having opportunities to declare that he is the one who rules over me. He is the one who rules. And lastly, we need to include the future in the picture. In verse 9, it says that God has exalted Jesus, but then in verses 10 and 11, he says that because of this, because of what Christ has done, because of how Christ has, has let go of his glory and he's, and he's allowed himself to die, to die on a cross, because God has exalted him, that there will come a day when one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He talks about this, this future time when, when we will all be shoulder to shoulder bowing down, worshiping Christ. This is our destiny. And this is the thing. Uh, this is what all of history is moving towards. Every single one of us worshiping Jesus, declaring that he alone deserves all the glory. It's, and, and the point is this. It's not about me. It's not about me. My destiny is to, is to end up shoulder to shoulder with everyone else who, who trusts in Christ, bowing down before him, uh, declaring that he alone is Lord. It's not about me. And, 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 that, and, and, and declaring that he alone deserves the glory because of all he has done. Because not only does he rule over all things, but he has sacrificed himself to love me, to rescue me. He talks about Jesus Christ being Lord in verse 11. Jesus, the, these three different titles. Jesus meaning he is the one who saves, right? We read that earlier too. You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Christ is the, is the thing, that, the, the title that, that we give to Jesus is the anointed one, the one that is chosen by God to rescue his people and to rule over his people. And Lord, of course, Lord, the one who is ruling, the one who deserves all glory and honor and worship. This is where all of history is moving towards. All of us worshiping him because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. If we can include that future in, in our perspective, in the way that we are looking at our lives, then that will move us to realize, first of all, that life isn't about me, but it's also about trying to, 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 to bring others to see that destiny as well to see the importance of, of, of thinking about the good of other people, that, that, that their greatest good is to come to a place where they trust in Christ and that they will be with me bowing down before him, worshiping him, saying, you alone are worthy. You are worthy. I think it's so easy for us to live our lives just kind of like thinking about today, 
thinking about today's concerns, thinking about today's needs, thinking about what I have to do today. And I think Paul's encouraging us to, to, to extend our vision out to the future when Jesus will make all things new. He will make all things new. And to live in our relationships in light of that fact. In light of the fact that, that he alone is our hope, this future where we are bowing down and confessing that he is Lord is our hope. That is where we will all be made whole. I'm going to have John play a song. We, played the, we, we sang this song at the Good Friday service. So if you were here for Good Friday, you heard this song before. But it's, it's so good. It's by Andrew Peterson. And it's called, Is He Worthy? And it, and it, and it paints the picture of the worthiness of Christ. And, and, it, and it takes some words from, from the book of Revelation to talk about the, this time when, when every tribe and tongue and nation will come before him and say, You are worthy. I want you to just listen to this song now. The words will also be up on the screen as John plays it.
as we are reminded of the the beauty of, of Jesus and his worthiness. He is worthy because he has he's died and he has risen and God has raised him to the highest place. How can we even consider doing anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit? We think of all that he is and all that he has done. Let's move forward with this reminder in our hearts of, of who he is and where we are going and how we've been made that we would live for others radically other-centered lives. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us that you would help us to move uh, ourselves out from the center of the picture and that Jesus would become the one who's at the center. That his glory would be at the center. That his sacrifice for us would be at the center. His resurrection, the fact that he's conquered the grave. Father, we pray that, uh, that as that happens that, that we would be people who, who live our lives for your glory and not our own. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing Joyful, Joyful. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would join our hearts in wonder, love, and praise for who Jesus is, what he has done, who he promises to be for us, that we would surrender to him as our Lord and King, that we would rest in him as our Savior. And, and Father, we pray that you, would, uh, that you would remind us often of this today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's just a, a few announcements. If you go to the next slide there. Uh, second hour starting in here in about uh, 20 minutes, right back in here. Um, there's also middle school and high school Bible studies downstairs and then child care for kids who are younger. Um, so please stick around for that. The uh, Christmas Eve services this year, we're doing two services at 5 
and 7 p.m. At 5 p.m. we'll do a kid's message. At 7 p.m. Uh, we'll just do a real brief, uh, more adult message. But they'll pr- be pretty similar. You just won't, I, I guess I could invite the adults to come up front and sit down on the floor in front of me. <laughs> That's going to be the biggest, biggest difference. But yeah, Chuck's into it. Chuck's into it. Okay. Um, and then, so 5 and 7, plan on joining us for those. Uh, Children's Christmas program is next Sunday, right after the, the morning service. So um, if you have kids... Um, make sure you invite your family to come see that. If you have any friends that want to come, they're, they're just going to be singing a few songs for us right after the service, so plan to stick around for that. Um, and then the, uh, the Hope Giving Tree. Presents are supposed to be returned today. This is awesome, all these presents showing up here. If you have not brought the present back, it needs to be back today, tomorrow morning at the very latest, if you can drop it by tomorrow morning. They're going to be sorting through them tomorrow night at 7 p.m., so if you can't get it by tomorrow morning, then come and give it to them at 7 p.m. But ideally, it'd be good if you get it back today or tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, the prayer team is Carrie Hoffman. I thought it was the prayer team, but is she back there? Carrie, you going to pray? Carrie's available to pray. Cool. All right. Carrie is going to be up here in the corner. Um, if you'd like her to pray for anything, she'll be up here and, and she can pray for you. Was there another announcement, Kathy? Yes. Well, th- and, and I want to say thank you to Kathy and Lisa Gu for kind of organizing all that and everything. Thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Any, anything else? No. All right, here now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go forth, remembering that God's love is real, that you might risk everything for him and for others. Thanks be to God.